This podcast is supported by an educational grant by Bosch Health, made available through the CDA Corporate Supporter Program. A lot of us um, have had patients with PRP who went on a biologic and they cleared quite rapidly, quite quickly, and they were very happy afterwards. That's Dr. Patrick Fleming, an assistant professor of dermatology at the University of Toronto and a dermatologist at Lynn Dermatology in Toronto. Welcome back to JCMS Author Interviews Podcasts. I'm Kirk Barber. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery. Today I'll be interviewing Dr. Patrick Fleming. Dr. Fleming and his co-authors presented an article in our January-February 2020 issue entitled, The Use of Biologics in Pityriasis Rupert Polaris That is Refractory to First-Line Systemic Therapy, a Systematic Review. So without further ado, our interview. Patrick, uh, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, uh, you're becoming quite an expert uh, in, in our podcast room here. Thank you so much. So listen, this article w- that we're going to talk to you about today is on pityriasis rupert polaris. And I've got to believe that it's seen a lot sort of at meetings, but I would guess the average dermatologist really doesn't manage more than a half a dozen cases over the course of their careers. Um, so we all... We all end up with a little bit of knowledge about it, a lot of book learning. So if you can help us uh, understand what the books say today and what your personal experience has been. Yeah, so um, the, the impetus for doing this article is um, as a young German practice, I saw my first couple of cases of PRP and I had to go back and look through the literature to figure out what's the best agent to treat my patients with who have this condition. And I discovered there wasn't a ton out there it was kind of scattered, so uh, myself and uh, Dr. PJ and Dr. Sybil decided to get together and prepare uh, an article on this just so we could have some guidance, some practical guidance on what to do and what not to do. Particularly in the area of, or the new era of biologics. Exactly, and I, I, and I think from my experience um, as a resident and as a young German practice that my uh, impression of the retinoids has not been that favorable. It helps a little bit, but doesn't give patients great disease clearance and with the tricks that have not had great results with or great experience with in this condition either so I think a lot of us um, have had patients with PRP who went on a biologic and they cleared quite rapidly quite quickly and they were very happy afterwards so it's nice to be able to have some of that data collated in one location so you kind of know what's out there well, and I gather what's well, got to be the the rapid response to the biologic therapy that actually defines the fact that the biologic is working, because if it was out three, four, five months waiting to work, you might even start to think about spontaneous resolution as the natural history exactly. of this condition is, for the at least in my experience, has been to resolve or get dramatically better. Now, maybe not over months, but clearly over over a shorter number of years than you might mm-hmm. than you might anticipate so um does in, in let's go back to the disease state for a second do you think that biopsies help us i think the biopsy in prp uh, is sometimes helpful to rule out other mimics perhaps like a ctcl i, I don't know if it helps with the diagnosis because from my experience and my own patients with um, prp my colleagues, um, who are all neuron practice as well, we all have a, maybe a 10 between us all. None of the biopsies say PRP. They always say psoriasis from dermatitis. And clinically, they will have islands of sparing, they have the nutmeg grater uh, sign over their knuckles. 
they have waxy polymer plantar cryoderma. They're clearly a clinical PRP. And I think the it's more the you color, it's the color, it's the color. Yeah. Once you've seen the color mm -hmm. a few times of the cutaneous eruption, you got you step back and you when you walk in the room, mm -hmm. you start looking for the for the other things. Yeah. Because the colors kind of clued you, right? It's just it's just that yellowy orange red kind of color. It's even hard, it's, yeah. but it's not it's not psoriasis. It's not psoriasis. It's, it's color. And yeah. you look at it and say, hmm. Yeah. And the patients often say, you know, doctor, I've been to see my family doctor and three walk-ins and three different emerges. No one knows what I have. And you know within two seconds what they have. Yeah. And the adventure yeah. begins because now you have to teach people why it's not psoriasis, what they have, mm -hmm. give them some senses to the fact that we're not that great at treating or weren't that great at treating it. And that they may have mm -hmm. this for a number of years, and a lot of these folks are pretty uncomfortable, particularly the the, the type one with the you know, with significant body surface area involvement. They're extremely uncomfortable. They can't sleep very well. They're itching. They have waxy scales breaking off in their socks when they're walking, and then it cuts their feet in in, in the process of that. Um, they can't put clothes on. They often can't go to work. And for people who work in the public sector, if you're covered head or toe with an orange red rash. It's difficult to go out. Yeah. So we've made some headway. Um, the algorithm, if we might call it that, or the, the, the standard of care currently would be to try a retinoid. Is that still, still state of the art? I, I think that's the current practice, and that's what most of us do. But I think that's based on a theory of a vitamin A deficiency from many decades ago. I think the retinoids do have a a benefit, especially for the cryoderma aspect of, of PRP, but I've never seen a person go on acetretin or acetretinoin and be clear, even after six months. And they make it. I was just going to. I was just going to ask you about dose of the retinoid. In my experience, it, it's on the high side, not on the low side. Exactly. You keep pushing it and pushing and pushing until you get retinoid issues. Exactly. And then the issue is, yeah, their skin's better, but their hair is falling out, they have achy joints, their cholesterol is going up. So at what point do you decide, to, 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 enough, we're done. I've, I've pushed this drug. Um, you're uncomfortable with your disease. I've made you uncomfortable with my therapy. When do you, when do you say enough? I think it depends on the patient and the individual and their preferences. And I always explain from day one, this is what you have. And this is what our ladder is going to be. We'll start with your moisturization, with good skin care, with topicals, and with a retinoid. And I always warn them this will take the edge off of me now work fully. But my experience, typically within the three to, three to six month mark, is when you're thinking about adding in a biologic. So I'm going to argue that if you've not seen the retinoids work very well, and that's kind of, I think if you put a whole bunch of dermatologists in the room, people mm -hmm. would say exactly what you're saying. Yes. It's... It's if you if money wasn't an issue, biologic would, would have in from the, your literature review here, which is you know very uh, um, comprehensive. I go to a biologic immediately. Exactly, and I think that's the case with psoriasis as well, and that we often try methotrexate or or psoriatine, which does help a little bit. And methotrexate more so than others, but. You know, patients are going to biologic, they get totally clear in many cases after a month or two. And in my experience with PRP, my limited experience as a clinician, as a young dermatologist, my three or four patients, they've all gotten clear after the first dose, or, or mostly clear. It's dramatically 
It's a dramatic improvement, much more than with plaque psoriasis. You know, in in more, I'll call ourselves more senior dermatologists, we used to have only really methotrexate to use, right? And our thought was that methotrexate did a pretty decent job, but more so than the retinoids. And I, I noticed that it shifted now that retinoids have become first-line therapy and methotrexate dropped down to second for, for I don't know for what reason, other than you pointed out the theory of the vitamin deficiency, but I, but thinking back, it may be that people spontaneously remitted while they were on methotrexate and exactly. thought it was so good. The rapidity of the response that you've discovered here, to me, um, clearly the biologics are actually therapeutic. You give people their life back. Yeah. So let's go through the biologics and, and sort of, if you were doing this without thought to you know, money, for example, uh, and you had no other obstacles with regard to comorbidities and that sort of thing. Where in the biologic world would you start? I think, um, I think in the absence of a clinical trial, it's difficult to pick one. I would say that the literature has a lot more support for TNF inhibitors, but they've been around a lot longer than the other biologics. Uh, they do work well. Um, infliximab has a fair amount of case reports. But as you know, with infliximab, it is one of the TNF with the highest rate of adverse effects and the highest risk of infection. So I think most dermatologists don't prescribe very much infliximab um, anymore because of that reason. I think within that category, I would like to go with adalimumab. Um, from my own personal experience, I've used mostly ustekinumab. So I have four patients on ustekinumab, um, four PRP, all four had clear within one dose, or, or mostly clear within one dose. That's a dramatic response. Dramatic response, and you know, they were, they were quite sick. Uh, one person was not mine originally, I, uh, he was a transfer of care, so he was already clear when I got him, but he told me you know, he was sick with this for many years, he was clear after a dose or two. And now we're actually tapering him off this drug because he's been clear for three years. So I see in your, uh, your article that, you, that there has been no work in the IL-23s in PRP that at that point in time that you could find from the literature. So clearly that'll be an interesting uh, future to look forward to. Yeah, there, there's a few patients with ustekinumab in the literature, but very, very, very minimal. And, and I would wonder if perhaps uh, rizikizumab or gaselkimab might be possible targets in the future. Because if my patients are getting clear after a dose of ustekinumab, I would expect that something like rizikizumab that has a higher morbidity for those um, cytokines might be even more efficacious with even with the even better safety profile. Wow. So um, if we can get access um, and, you know, and a release of the drug, um, it sounds like an IL-23 might be a a good place to start if somebody's really um, ill. Yeah, and I think we've all been very uh, fortunate that many of the um, makers of these drugs do have very generous compassionate use programs um, that they made available. Um, so a lot of my patients have been able to benefit uh, through those through those mechanisms. So let's um, you know urge our colleagues that if they have someone like this to reach out. Yes. to these manufacturers of these biologics because what you've shown us is that um, they're all working the newer ones seem to work faster yes. you know the the tnfs were you know sort of six to eight weeks and the 17 to 23s were kind of two to four weeks and not just work you're talking about 75 percent clearance 
yeah, in very that quickly. time, so very quickly as well, uh, which to me was as dramatic as many of them are with psoriasis. Yeah. Um, I, I would really hope that perhaps our colleagues in um, the academic world or in industry would be willing at some point to do a kind of compassionate randomized controlled trial for this condition so we can actually test the biologic even on a scale of even 100 patients so we can hopefully get some kind of approval and coverage to make access less of an issue. So um, I hope they're listening. I hope they're listening too. Well, Patrick, thank you. Is there, there again, um, you've done the work, you've read through the literature. We have a very clear idea from, from, from what you've, uh, you've told us that biologics will make a difference with this condition, almost certainly, and it's worthwhile trying. So for the, from the clinician, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for doing the work, and uh, I look forward to your next article. Thank you so much. All right, cheers. That was Dr. Patrick Fleming, an assistant professor of dermatology at the University of Toronto and a dermatologist at Lynn Dermatology in Toronto. I hope you enjoyed our interview. Try reading the article itself, which is available free of charge to you on the JCMS website for the next three weeks. So that's it for this episode of JCMS Author Interviews Podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes and share this with our colleagues and on your social media channels. I'm Kirk Barber. Until next time, be good to each other.